Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the Old Testament, is from Psalm 119, verses 97 through 105. Again, you have an insert in your bulletin, and also the words will be on screen behind me. Psalmist says this, Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate very false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you might be interested to know that uh, William Shakespeare's 46th birthday was in the same year that the King James uh, version of the Bible was translated, and that was 1611. And the translators of the uh, King James Bible wanted to honor the famous playwright in their uh, translation of Psalm 46. And so hopefully you'll see a, a picture on the screen. This is uh, Psalm 46, uh, verses 1 through 3, and then the end of the Psalm, verses 9 through 11. But if you were to uh, count 46 words from the beginning, right from verse 1, you would come to the word here, shake. That's 46 words in from Psalm 46. And then if you look at the end, next slide, if you count 46 words from the end of the psalm, beginning with refuge, going all the way back, you come to the word, what's highlighted there? Spear. spear. Shake, spear. These translators did all of this while still being able to remain faithful to the Hebrew text. Don't even ask me how they did it. Well, friends, every time we open up the Bible, we are reminded not of William Shakespeare, but of how much God loves you and me. And in our second scripture reading, this time from the New Testament, it is a love letter from the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy. And I'm going to read for you from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And just a word about this passage. And I know the search committee that called me here might remember this because I had this on my, on my personal information for my resume. This passage from 2 Timothy was written on the uh, inside of a Bible that I was given on the occasion of my high school graduation back in 1930. And... Um, <laughs> And God has continued to uh, use this verse to kind of shape and mold my life of faith. And I want to share 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 with you. Paul writing says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped 
for every good work. And friends, this also is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago in a church that I was serving, I was challenged by the middle school a youth group to a game of, are you smarter than your pastor? And without giving you any of the gory details, let me just tell you the game was rigged. And I had to tell you, it was rather humbling for me to lose to these 6th, 7th, and 8th grade snotty, knothole kids in a game of Bible trivia. Well, you may think that's funny, but I'm going to give you a chance to try your hand at Bible trivia this morning. And just so you know, and before you get just a little bit too cocky, I am not beyond embarrassing you in front of all those people who may be watching. So here are your five questions. Number one. In the Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, the word gospel means, or this is going to be multiple choice, or in your case, multiple guess. The word gospel means A, Bible story, B, go and spell, three, a Gaither song, or D, good news. Answer is D, good news, one for one. Number two, in which book do you find the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? A, Genesis, B, Proverbs, C, second hesitations, or D, Revelation. Proverbs. Proverbs. Not quite as confident on that one, are you? All right, number three. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, what is the name of the person that Luke is writing to? A, Theophilus. B, Dear Abby. C, Darth Vader. Or D, Jesus. Theophilus, pretty good. Number four, and appropriately, name the fourth commandment. A, do not litter, B, pay your capital campaign pledge, or C, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's actually pay your capital campaign pledge. It's with... <laughs> C, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, what do you only find once in an ordinary book, but twice in every Bible? The letter B, the letter B. B appears once in the word book and twice in the word Bible. <laughs> ah, now the light switch went on. Yeah, now you get it. Okay, that was unfair. I'm going to give you two bonus questions. How do we know that Adam was a farmer? Because he raised Cain. <laughs> and aren't you hoping, aren't you, aren't you glad now in believing that this is the last bonus question? All right. Name the shortest man in the Bible, and don't say Zacchaeus. Nehemiah is actually the shortest man in the Bible, I looked. All right, we got that out of our system now. Yeah, you didn't do too well, though, did you? All right, I did hear a story about the, uh, the Prince of Grenada. He was an heir to the Spanish crown, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment, life in solitary confinement in one of uh, Madrid's ancient, dark, and filthy prisons. And everybody knew that that prison was so bad that once you went in, chances are you were not coming out alive. And the prince was only given one book to read the entire time he was in prison, it was the Bible. And so he read it over and over, hundreds of times he read it. It was his constant companion for 30 years, from the time he went into prison until the day he died. Well, when the guards came in to clean out his cell, they found some notes that he had written on the walls with some nails. 
For example, he wrote that Psalm 118, verse 8, is the exact middle verse in the entire Bible. That Ezra, chapter 7, verse 21, contains all the letters of the alphabet except the letter J. And in Esther, chapter 8, verse 9, you will find the longest verse in the Bible. Here's the point. The prince spent his entire life studying what many say is the greatest book of all time, and for him, it was nothing more than a game of Bible trivial pursuit. In Psalm 119, which I read earlier for you, it says, Oh, how I love your law. So let me ask you as you sort of begin things, can you really honestly say that? Can you honestly say that you love God's written law, his holy word, which guides our life and our faith? Before you answer that question, I want you to consider for a moment on what a remarkable book the Bible is. It's been now translated into about 1,200 languages. It's comprised of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written over a span of about 1,400 years. Now, contributors to this anthology range from a king to a shepherd, from a medical doctor to a choir director, and from a former tax collector to a former fisherman. The literary genres include poetry and history and prophecies and proverbs and gospels and personal letters, all at which at first glance look, looks like this hodgepodge patchwork of unrelated works. And yet all of those 31,173 verses are woven into a tight plot about a God who loved the world. So if you were to open up to any of those 875 sheets of paper, no matter what page you are on, it will be part of this unfolding drama of a God seeking to save a lost humanity. As the Methodist pastor Adam Hamilton says in his book, Making Sense of the Bible, the Bible is the authorized biography of God. And today, the Bible is the best-selling, most quoted, and most published book in the world. In fact, think about this. The New York Times uniformly omits the Bible from its bestseller list because if they didn't, the Bible would be the runaway number one bestseller every week. But most importantly, for our purposes here today, the Bible has an amazing message for you and me. In, in bright, neon, flashing lights, the message is this, that God loves you and God loves me. Back uh, in my freshman year at uh, Gordon College, my parents and I, we had this kind of prearranged agreement in which I would call every Sunday afternoon, collective course, to kind of give them a recap of my week at school. And so I would call, and invariably, it would be my mother who would answer the phone. And she'd say, oh, Johnny, it's, 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 it's you. Uh, don't say anything. Um, I need to go get your dad because I think he's outside in the yard. And so I'd hear the phone get slammed down. I'd hear some footsteps, the door open. And I'd be waiting on the phone. And then dad would come in, pick up the phone. Oh, Johnny, hey, how are you doing? Hey, don't say anything important yet. I need to wait for mom to get on the other phone. And I want to get out the tape recorder so we can listen back to this conversation later on in the day. And so I'd be waiting on the phone and for mom to get on the other phone and for dad to get at the tape recorder. But you know, I got to thinking, this is so cute. My little Sunday afternoon phone call creates all this excitement in our home. 
Well, friends, the Bible tells us about a father who loves us so much that he comes running every time we call, who drops whatever else is on his uh, calendar, and then who hangs on our every word. Well, if that's true, and I believe it is, then why do you suppose so many people are uninterested to the contents of the Bible? Let me give you some statistics. A Gallup poll revealed that while there are over 500 million Bibles published every year in this country, that's two, just about two for every man, woman, and child, more than 100 million people have never opened one. 55% of adults surveyed by the Pew Research Center could not name the four Gospels. 66% of the people polled do not know who, uh, who preached the Sermon on the Mount. 12% of Americans identified Joan of Arc as Noah's wife. <laughs> and closer to home, only 16%, 16, 16%, of Presbyterians say they read their Bible regularly. It's estimated that for the average adult member, we have about a 13-year-old's understanding of the scriptures. Now, you hear those statistics, and then you can begin to understand how anyone with a Bible and a gift of gab can, can kind of command an audience. Because people in their blind ignorance will, will, will swallow just about anything as long as it's huckstered in Jesus' name. It is said that uh, Thomas Jefferson developed his own Jeffersonian Bible. You might imagine it contained everything in it that Thomas Jefferson liked and nothing in it that Thomas Jefferson didn't like. And so it had the Psalms, it had the Sermon on the Mount, and it had some other inspired uh, readings and writings. Well, I've been thinking about developing my own Hartman Bible. Why not? It would begin at the beginning with the creation story in Genesis. It would have all those action-packed adventure stories of Moses and David and Samson. It would skip over the genealogies. Of course, it would have the Christmas and Easter story, and then it would end with that portion of 1 Corinthians where Paul tells congregations to pay their pastors generously. Now, I'm only joking, but you get the idea. We, we need to be better informed about God's word. And you know, that's especially true if you are a teacher in this church. Because this may sound controversial, but I think the most important people in the church is not this guy standing before you, not our elders, our deacons, or our trustees, sorry. It's, it's the teachers of our children. Because this is where faith is formed and shaped and molded for life. The psalmist says, God's words are sweet to the taste. And I have to just say on a personal note, I'm very thankful for the, for the knowledgeable, committed, dedicated teachers that we have in this congregation for people of all ages. And you know, the truth is we can really never start too early. I was thinking uh, this week about if we wanted to sort of uh, uh, give uh, the, 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 the building across the street a little bit of a facelift, if we want to do something in the nursery, which will we'll reopen probably in the fall, and if we wanted to put a Bible verse on the, uh, on the nursery wall, like what would be a signature Bible verse that we could put on the nursery of our church? I think I found one. It's from 1 Corinthians 15.51. 1 Corinthians 15.51 says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. 
I've had people uh, tell me, well, you know, John, I, I, I don't want to, as a parent, I don't want to force Christianity down my kids' throats. And so I kind of plan on waiting till my child is old enough for them to make up their own mind and then let them decide what they want to do about God. It used to bother me, but not anymore. I say, that's fine. That's fine. I would just ask that you follow that logic in other areas of child rearing. Uh, wait until your child is old enough to make up his or her own mind whether they want to uh, wear shoes. Uh, wait until your child is old enough until they make up their mind whether they want to take a bath or eat their vegetables. Or, or ask them if uh, they really want to go to school to learn how to read or write. So is it an interesting that in some of the most important things in our children's life as parents, we would never think about letting them decide for those things on their own. So why then, why then do we acquiesce so easily when it comes to spiritual decisions? Friends, our children and our youth need to hear the story of God's transforming love, and it is up to us to teach it to them. And so that means that we as adults have to be willing to grow as well. See, there's this central tenet of our faith that, mean, that, that basically says that we, as, as an individual, can undergo a transformation of, of this to this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That means that there's this inner chemistry in our bodies that we can be transfigured so that our response to crises, to stressful situations, will, will be like Jesus himself. Now, lots of times people will pick up a Bible, read it, roll their eyes, yawn, put it down, and say, well, no, no, John, it's, it's not sweet like honey. <laughs> In fact, it tastes more like broccoli. It's pretty boring. And my response to that is, well, what did you expect would really happen? Did you think that the angels would descend from heaven and sing the Hallelujah Chorus because you decided to crack open the good book? Really? The Christian life is about transformation. It's about becoming new men and new women in the power of God. And through God and through God's word, we can be changed and become more to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't mean that it's going to happen right away. It just doesn't mean that it's going to happen all at once. So I don't expect you to get a spiritual high every time you read the Bible. The Bible's not a drug. In fact, it's more like a vitamin. If you take a vitamin, you don't expect to get the rush of like you would if you took a drug, because a vitamin builds you up over time. Little by little, a vitamin makes you strong. And in the same way, a, a vitamin, or in the same way, God's word makes us spiritually strong. And so God lives in the words of this book, and, and he brings them to life, to his power in our hearts, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and yes, in this world. There was a man named Julius Hickerson. You're not going to know who that is. He gave up a promising career as a medical doctor because he believed that God was calling him to be a missionary in the jungles of Columbia. Well, his friends and colleagues thought he was crazy, and you know what? After two years, he thought he might be crazy too because he didn't see any results from his efforts. One day, he was uh, piloting a small plane and it was flying over the jungle and it experienced some engine trouble. That plane went down and Julius Hickerson died in the plane crash. That's not the end of the story. In the wreckage of that airplane, some of the area natives found a well-worn Bible and it was in their own language. 
And so they began to read the Bible, and the more they read, the more they understood, and yes, it was sweet to the taste. And so they started the church. Well, now part of the Bible's message is share the faith, and so they shared that Bible with some of the other area tribesmen. Well, some years later, the Baptist, under which Julius Hickerson went as a missionary, sent another missionary to take his place. And to this missionary's utter amazement, the whole place was now filled with Christians. And so we asked him, what happened? How did you get the good news of the gospel? And he pulled out this old Bible, peeled back the cover, and there on the inside it had the name, Julius Hickerson. Friends, this book is better than money. It is sweeter than honey. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it is the Lord's love letter to you and me. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, how we thank you for that truth of an old saying that says, Bibles that are falling apart belong to people who aren't. Help each one of us to be more faithful, more devoted to you, more students of your word, whether it's in a small group or a Sunday school class or even in our own personal Bible devotion time with you. Give us the focus to, to cultivate the, the daily disciplines of discipleship as, as our journey begins with falling in love with this itinerant rabbi from, from Nazareth, called Jesus. So may we adore this figure that we see and watch within your word. May he capture our imagination and may we imitate him in word and in action. So God, help us to take our vitamin each day so that we may grow big and strong and devoted to you as disciples of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.